Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Our first core value at Believer's Church is formation, or what's often referred to as spiritual formation, and this is to become students of Jesus. We become students of Jesus by practicing what we call the spiritual disciplines. So every spring and every fall, what we do is we take four to ten weeks and we specifically focus on one spiritual discipline that Jesus practiced. The goal is to take this practice and deeply implement it into our lives in a meaningful way. Say this often, it's not about information, it's about transformation. It's about taking this thing that we're learning, how did Jesus do it, and then applying it deeply into our lives. If you've never heard that language, spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines include things like prayer, scripture, worship, fasting, serving, giving, hospitality, practicing Sabbath, and much more. In the spring, we spent, I think, eight weeks and focused on prayer, and what we're focusing on in the fall is giving. Also want to recommend... uh, remind you guys that we have a recommended readings list on our website under resources. So if you have a desire to uh, dive just a little bit deeper into some of this stuff, you have the opportunity to do that as well. We always provide some resources and books and things like that. A lot of things that I use uh, to put these practices together. So what is it that Jesus has to say about giving? Three weeks ago, we talked about what it means to actually live life possessions free. That is the place that we have to start. Obviously, you have a home, you have clothes, you have things that are important to you, but what does it mean to actually live detached from those things in the exact same way that Jesus tells his disciples early on, take nothing with you for the journey? Then he starts to give us some examples, not even an extra shirt. You know, take nothing with you for the journey. So how is it that we live that way? The next week, we talked about the difference between the American dream and kingdom living. So it turns out there's a big difference in what the expectations or the desires are being an American and what we look at when we see the expectation and the reality of Jesus and how he lived his life in this world and the same expectations that we have. Last week, we talked a little bit about personal treasure and where your treasure actually is. So what we're going to be talking about today is something that's a little bit different And usually in these practices, it it makes perfect sense that we take a teaching from the Gospels. Makes perfect sense because if we're taking it from the Gospels, it's something that Jesus actually talked about. Occasionally, we'll also take this from somewhere else in the New Testament. But in order to understand giving as a priority, I wanted us to go back much further today. So what we're going to be looking at is some stuff in the Old Testament. So we understand where Jesus, as a good Jew, gets these ideas from. 
All right, so this is where we're going to be. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Proverbs. We're going to spend a little bit of time and a very little bit of time in two places in the Torah or the Pentateuch or the uh, books of the law, the Mosaic law, as they're often called. And we're going to see where this idea comes from. And then we're going to go to wisdom literature, which is what Proverbs is called. And we're going to look at a couple verses there. So Leviticus 23.10, if you want to turn there. Deuteronomy 26, you're going to be in Leviticus 23 then Deuteronomy 26, and then actually Proverbs chapter 3. All right, and I'm actually going to look up here on the screen with you guys because it's a little bit easier than flipping several different places. So if we can get Leviticus chapter 23 up there first, this is what Scripture tells us. Speak to the Israelites, and the concept that I want us to understand this morning is what we're going to refer to as first fruits. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land that I am giving you, and harvest its produce, you must first bring, or you must bring the first bundle or the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Now we'll go to Deuteronomy real quick. So now, this is Deuteronomy 26, verses 10 through 12. So now I am bringing the early produce. Last uh, place we looked said first bundle. Today it says early produce of the fertile ground. That's going to be important that you, the Lord, have given me. Set the produce before the Lord your God, bowing down before the Lord your God. Then celebrate all the good things that, that the Lord your God has done for you and your family each one of you along with the Levites and the immigrants who are among you. When you have finished paying the entire tenth part of your produce on the third year, that's often referred to as the, the poor tithe in Judaism, that is the year for paying the tenth part. You will give it to the Levites, the immigrants, the orphans, and the widows so that they eat in your cities, not their cities, in your cities until they are full. Proverbs chapter 3, the last passage that we'll look at, honor the Lord. This is wisdom literature. So the, so the other passages that we looked at are referred to as the law, the Old Testament law, the Hebrew law, the Mosaic law. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first, you should be seeing a theme here, the first of all your crops, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your, your vats will burst with new wine. So let's first identify a couple of important terms that are going to help you understand everything that we're going to be talking about today. The first is this concept or this idea that you need to remember called first fruits. All right, so what's behind this idea of first fruits is the first and the freshest expression of our giving. The healthiest place that you can possibly give from when you're helping other people when you're giving to the local church, when you're providing donations, whatever it looks like, your first fruits are the freshest possible expression of this, and there's a lot that is going to come with this. The other thing that I'll define real quick is what we refer to as the leftovers. And the leftovers, this should be pretty simple. It's whatever is given when everything else is gone, and it's the only thing that you have left. An example, for those of you that might cook or you can at least put a pizza in the oven. 
I'll fall into this category. So you put a pizza into the oven and you put the ingredients on. And when you take it out after a few minutes, you know that the crust is nice and crispy and the cheese has melted on and everything smells really good and the family's happy and we have a good meal. Now, two or three days later, after it's been in the refrigerator, it's not the exact same thing. Now, some of you like me, you do like cold pizza. You can eat cold pizza. But when we put it in the microwave or we put it back in the oven, you notice that the dough is kind of chewy. It doesn't exactly taste the same. So that's kind of the idea that I'm wanting you to get. The freshest expression of something that you're giving and then the leftovers as something that is later. Now, we've also got to keep in mind that the reason that this kind of language is so important is because we're talking about the ancient world. We're talking about agrarian or agricultural societies. So all of this language about first fruits makes perfect sense. And for people during this period of time, and still some people in certain areas of the world, harvest time is everything. That harvest time, that harvest season, when you start to reap the benefits of what you've planted, means absolutely everything. So we need to understand this as a spiritual metaphor as well. So what the Israelites are doing is they're bringing their first fruits to God as an offering. Their first fruits. This was a way to demonstrate their obedience and their reverence to God, but it also showed that they trusted God enough to provide for their family later. So what they're doing is they're getting, not necessarily the best, but definitely the first of everything that's been harvested. They're preparing this, and they're taking it, and they're giving it to God, not necessarily knowing how everything else is going to turn out, just hoping it turns out really well, because their family their neighbors, their community, everyone else is going to eat from something that comes after the first fruits. So the first fruits are referenced 13 times in the Torah, or those first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then other to areas kind of sporadically throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the Greek Testament, or the Christian Testament. All right, so just a few lessons that we can learn. Because with everything that we've talked about, treasure, possessions, what does it really mean to live a life radically transformed by the power of Jesus compared to everyone else who it's a little bit of Christian, but it's a lot of all these other ideas? All right, what does it mean to radically live this out and to have an understanding from the perspective of giving on this idea of first fruits and what it means? Because if you can get this today, it's going to transform the way that you look at giving. If you are the person that doesn't give. If you are the person that just, you know, throws in the bucket maybe whatever you have at the end of the week. If you're the person that maybe just you, you've, you've got it automated at some point in your, to where it just, you know, goes into the account online or something like that. It's going to change the way that you view this whenever we talk about first fruit. So this is the first thing that I want you to see. First fruits come from the fertile ground. So first fruits in your life come from a place that we call the fertile ground. All right, so I want you to think about it this way. And there are a few people in here who will understand this analogy. If you get me on Friday mornings, you get the best version of me. And I'll tell you why. 
usually almost every Thursday, because this is not a day off for me like it is for some of you, I practice a 24-hour Sabbath. I don't do any church work most Thursdays. I try to keep my hands off of anything that could look like work, and that's the day that I spend time with my kids, I watch movies, I intentionally have time with God that's a little bit different than what I might do through the week. It's a very important day of rest for me. And then those other six days, I go pretty hard. Sometimes I got a little bit of a break on Saturday, but usually the other six days I go pretty hard. So Friday morning, I'm with Jason and I'm with Micah and they get fresh, Matt. I can think, I can process, I've got ideas, all that good stuff. All right? Now, if you get me on Wednesday nights, sometime ask Roger or Amanda Crane, about me on Wednesday nights, because at that point, I'm brain dead. And I've dealt with so many people through the week, and I've dealt with so much stuff through the week, and I've, I've, I've worked long hours, and, I'm, and you know how you're already looking forward to the weekend? So I've kind of already got my mind into Thursday morning, and where I'm going to take one of the kids for breakfast or something like that. So they're telling me something, and I'm just tell, I just tell them, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not following as well as I would at other times. So that's an example of kind of getting the freshest of something, but then also getting like the, 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 the leftovers of a person, if you look at it in that way. So the fertile ground is the freshest expression of our giving. It is the most healthy place that we are giving from. It requires sacrifice. It requires trust. It requires something of us that means we are giving to God before we are giving to ourselves or those that we care about. But then there's also this concept of the rocky ground, and the rocky ground is where the leftovers come from. All right, so you've got this fertile ground, this very special uprooting, this very special place where everything is good, and then you've got the rocky ground that you're, you're just kind of detached from. You know, maybe you throw some money in, maybe you give the same amount every single month, maybe you don't give, but even if you do give, you're somewhat detached from what you're giving to. There is a big difference between the two. And I can tell you this, and I promise you I'm telling the truth. And this goes back to the widow from last week. I would rather someone give $50 from the fertile ground than $1,000 from the rocky ground. Amen. Don't say amen too. I might regret that later. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but where it comes from matters. Where it comes from right here and the sacrifice and the commitment that you make, it really, really matters regarding how you view and how you see mission. And I have to say, I, I, don't, I don't know how many of you would agree with me or disagree because maybe some of you really like to save money, but I don't really like leftovers. Just to be honest. Now, Beth is a wonderful cook. All right, so she makes something. We have it, we enjoy our meal, and then this is what we'll say as a family. We say the same thing that a lot of you other middle-class families in here say. Oh, we'll use this for leftovers tomorrow, or we can eat on this for two or three days. But you see, in that area, when it comes to food, we're not very disciplined people. So we're thinking, we've got the leftovers in the fridge, we can save a little bit of money, but a pizza sounds really good, or going out to a restaurant sounds really good. Or making something else sounds really good. So we struggle sometimes with leftovers. So I want you to think about how God may look at getting the last thing that we have available when everything that we have actually comes from this source. 
All right, Deuteronomy 26.10 says this. So now I am bringing the early produce, the early stuff. You know how excited, if you're a gardener in here, how excited you are when you've got those first crops that are coming up? It's not quite the same maybe when you go back out to your garden several weeks later. But early in the season when you see those first fruits, how good it feels. So now I'm bringing the early produce, the fertile ground, the fertile ground of your soul that you, Lord, have given me, not that I could ever produce myself, not something that I made, even though I work a job, even though I try really hard, even though I receive this inheritance, even though I've made good investments, this comes from you. And that's the beginning of my understanding. That's the root of where I am, is that every single bit of this comes from you. Set the produce before the Lord your God, bowing down before the Lord your God. So I can see this in ancient Israel as they bring their, their harvest, as they bring their first fruits forward, and they just they, they kneel down and they give this to God. And it's this incredible thing that we can still do today as we are giving from the first fruits. So the fertile ground is also the purest and the most genuine place in your heart. It is where your treasure is. Your fertile ground is all of those things. So an example of giving from the fruits of, or, or the, the first fruits is when, if we're applying this to giving at church, we look at our budget. And I know that like for every person in here, there are some of you, you keep like a super strict, itemized budget, you know, where every single penny that you have goes. There are others of you that maybe you're, you're, you're good with your money, but maybe you're not as, as organized or as uh, obsessive as other people, and you know your money's coming to the account, and you know you, you've got to pay your mortgage, if you're like me. For others of you, maybe it's your rent. Some people have neither because maybe you've made really good decisions, and I'm very jealous. I have to say that. You have a car payment. You have groceries. You have utilities. Uh, you have all of these other things uh, that people have. We have bills. This is life. But giving from our first fruits, what that means and what that looks like is that whenever you go down and you prioritize where you're giving, you put your giving to the local church in there, and you don't touch it. You're rarely ever going to pay just a little bit less of your mortgage. Uh, most of you in here are not, are, are not going to say, well, I really want to go on vacation, or I really want to go out of town this week. I think I'm just not going to pay my electric bill. There are not many of you that do that. So whenever we talk about this as a first priority, and as first fruits, it's one of the things that we think about at the very beginning and then we don't touch it at all. Now, an example of leftovers, again, is whenever you maybe grab that $10 bill out of your wallet or, or, or you realize, you know, well, I guess we did spend a little bit too much this month. We went and did this. We, went and did, we ate out a little bit more than we usually do. So you have nothing to give. That's an example of what we talk about whenever we look at uh, leftovers. And I think it's important not to confuse this concept of first fruits with tithing, which is also a big part of the Torah. A tithe is giving 10% of your income to the local church. That, that's what a tithe is. But what I'm trying to get you to do with this idea of first fruits is actually looking at investments differently. 
looking at it from a kingdom perspective, and as we've already said, giving to God before you give to yourself. And I want you to ask that question in your life. Do I give to God before I actually give to myself? And I don't know what that amount looks like. You know, I'm not trying to do the put 10% on it, put 15% on it, put 6% on it, put this on it. I'm not trying to do that. But something I've said several times in this practice is that we have to give to a point of discomfort. And what I mean by that is not discomfort you can't pay your mortgage. Not discomfort you can't pay your utilities. But discomfort to the point where you know you're having to make sacrifices about maybe some of the things that you buy that you just enjoy. Eating out as often as you do. Spending money on your kids that you don't be, need to speak. You know, some people, they just buy over and over and over for their kids. And they don't give a dime to the local church. And if you're in here today, and, you, and you're not a Christian, or you're kind of on the outside of Christianity, you have some questions about this, I just want you to know, I'm not talking to you. These expectations that I'm talking about, they're not for you. I'm not begging for your money up here or anything like that. I'm talking about what it means for those of you in here who are committed to being a devoted follower of Jesus. This is not something that we can simply afford uh, to ignore, even though a lot of times people want to. So when we give from our first fruits, it turns into an act of worship. It turns into surrender. It turns into something that means something in our lives, especially whenever we see the blessings that follow. When we give from leftovers, it almost turns into like this meaningless form of, of charity. And I don't believe that there is a meaningless form of charity. I believe all charity is important. So maybe a better way to say it is this. Have you ever given something and, and, and maybe written a check for it, but you've not necessarily been attached or felt an investment into what you're giving to? Like a lot of churches, what they like to do is not spend anything on missions. And then at the end of the year, they start to write checks to different organizations. All right, And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that occasionally. But my goal for our church with our third core value, servanthood, is for our people to be invested in the things that they're giving to. You have to have relationships with people that are not like you. You have to serve the least of these. And often the leftovers... It just turns into this form of charity that we can't actually touch and feel and smell and breathe in and have something to do with. But also I want you to recognize this morning that offering of your first fruits should always produce gratitude. It should always produce gratitude within you. There is something that happens when you give at the beginning instead of giving at the end. This directly follows giving from the fertile ground, and the most personal place within you, your treasure. Verse 11 says this in Deuteronomy 23, then celebrate all the good things the Lord has done for you and your family. Keep in mind that when you're giving of the first fruits to God, it is not to your family. But when you give from the first fruits, it starts to bless your family in an amazing way. So what's being said here is don't just let go of this money as if it's meaningless or as if you have to worry that it's not going to produce something because blessing after blessing after blessing will be produced 
as a result of giving from your first fruits. If I started to ask some, some of you in here, and we're not going to do this because we'd be here forever, but, but what is giving done in your life? I shared some stories with our, with our community group this past Tuesday night, and there was a time uh, that Beth and I was serving as a teaching pastor at a church, but I was not getting paid. I was kind of new into ministry. I was having an opportunity to preach about once a month at the church that I was involved in, and uh, they weren't paying me. And that was fine with me because I was getting experience for the future. It meant absolutely everything uh, to me. So one day I'm in this board meeting, and they say, we would like to give you guys a gift just for all the work that you've been doing. We know that you haven't been paid. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you're not going to turn that down. No, guys, you shouldn't. All right, you're not going to do that. So they give me a check for $3,500. And you know what I started to do? The same thing you guys would do. I want this. I want that. We need this. We need that. That's what we all do when we run into some money. Some of y'all, tax season, you've spent it before you've ever seen the check. All right? So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, Beth is going to be so excited. We're going to be able to do this and do that. We go home, and the next day, our heating and air system, our HVAC system, stops working. And I'm like, oh, well, this is wonderful. Have a guy come over here, and he says, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, but with the duck work that we need to do and all this kind of stuff, this is going to cost you $3,500. On the dot. And I cannot tell you the amount of times over and over and over in my life that God has blessed my wife and I. When you start giving, and I'm not, don't start, checks just started coming in the mail at one time. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. You know, Pastor Smith said that if we started giving, we'd start getting checks in the mail. They're not coming. All right, my scratch-offs just aren't getting me there. All right, that's not what I'm saying. But your life will be blessed whenever you are giving to the local church. We give because God is good. We give because we know it's a personal cost to us. We give because God continues over and over to give to us. But first fruits also will reach further. And this is the most important part. First fruits will reach further than leftovers. It's going to reach further. So whenever you give out of the abundance of what you have, as a cheerful giver, a grateful giver, when you recognize there are all these other things that you can have, because I even whine and pout about my giving. There are times that I say to Beth, we could have a new car. We could have this. We could have that. We could have all these other things. Because outside of our mortgage, that's our largest area in our family as far as our giving is concerned. And I pout and whine about it sometimes. But whenever we give from our first fruits, we are reaching further than what our leftovers can reach. This is what verse 12 says. When you have finished paying the entire tenth part of your produce in the third year, on the third year, which again, I, this is often called the pauper's tithe or the poor tithe. That is the year of paying the tenth part. Listen to this, because you don't get to keep it. You will give to the Levites. And this is why it's called the poor tithe. Listen, how un-American is this? How anti-American? I want you to listen to this. Because to a lot of people, this would sound like socialism. Let's just be honest. You give to the immigrants, the orphans, and to the widows. So they can eat in your cities. Not take it back to their cities. But so they can eat in your cities until they are four. This directly goes to the poor. Now, this is the best part today. This is the best part of all of it. The Hebrew word for first fruit is bikurim. That's the word. And what it means, so what first fruits means 
is promises to come. Promises to come. So I want you to listen to this right here. The Israelites saw first fruits not only as a gift to God, but as an investment into the future. It was a way to build the future. God told them that if they brought their first fruits to Him, the blessing would come afterwards. And it's going to. You better be ready for it. Every single time. Whenever you give to the local church, and this is the most important thing that you can understand. Whenever you give to the local church, and you say that you're giving to the mission, it's not to keep the lights on week by week. It's not for good coffee. All right? It's not to, to pay a pastor or someone else's salary. It's because you believe that you are making an investment into the future. And whenever you look at the teenagers that are in this church, which some of you have, or you look at the children, the smaller children in this church, what you are doing is you are making an investment in everything that we are doing regarding our mission and vision. Your church, the body, the overall health of who we are. And I would like to make the argument that this idea of first fruits, this idea of changing the future is not even about capital. It's not even about money. It's about creating a fertile ground for the future. It's about giving from your first fruits. On the wall of Lyndon Johnson's uh, White House office hung a letter from General Sam Houston that was written to Johnson's great-grandfather over a hundred years prior to that. Johnson's great-grandfather led Houston to Christ, and his life was forever changed. After General Houston was baptized, he offered to pay half of the local, ministry's, uh, the local minister's salary as well. And when he was asked about this, this is what he said. My pocketbook was baptized too. He wants every part of you. He doesn't want your occasional Sunday morning attendance. He's not looking for you to just be friendly to other people whenever the mood hits you. He's definitely not looking for you to always post on social media everything that's wonderful about it. You can go a lot further than that. He is looking for full surrender in every part of you. And for most people, myself included, this is the area that is the hardest to trust. This is the area that is the hardest to turn over. So one of the saddest statistics that I can share with you about the local church, almost as sad as the great decline that we're seeing is this. Four out of ten church attenders, and that's, that's pretty narrowly defined. Uh, four out of ten church attenders give nothing to the local church. So 40%, and in some cases, I would say almost half the church, give nothing to the local church. Two or three more out of those 10 give almost nothing or very little. That's often the, the leftovers category uh, to the local church. 
another two or three, I'm sorry, the average church is held together by about 30%, in some cases, cases closer to 40%, 30% of the people. Can we really be radical about mission if we're not willing to sacrifice the things that matter most to us? If we're not willing to take the amount of time we may take on a vacation, the clothes that we wear, The cars that we think we have to drive. The homes that we think we have to live in. All the little things that we spend on all the time. Because for some of you, you're not super materialistic people. It's just like all the little things constantly. I'm like addicted to convenience stores. I'll stop on one, finish my Diet Pepsi, and by the time I'm at the end of Boone's Creek, I've stopped at another one. I have no idea how much. i got to get into some Dave Ramsey again, because that's where a lot of my money goes. Priority. Where are we? So I hope today this gives you a fresh start, some things that you can think about, not leftovers, but first fruits. So just a little bit of application that can help, and this is the first point. Healthy giving and first fruit giving requires faith. It requires faith. So it's really difficult. It's really difficult to take your crops And to take all these things that are ready and turn them over. But it also takes a lot of faith in the 21st century to do this exact same thing. Giving to Christ, giving to God is not the thing that you eliminate when you lose your job. When you take that pay cut. When you get the new car. It's not the thing that you look at in your like itemized budget or however it is that you do it that you say, Well, this thing can go down, especially, listen, I hope you understand this. If you're a follower of Jesus, or if you're anyone, that every single red cent that goes into that account is a blessing from God. And if you can start there, you will never walk away from the local church again with an attitude of, I should not give, if you can really understand that. But also healthy giving, and this is really hard, requires discipline and it requires planning. Like you literally, for most people, you have to sit down with your money. You have to look at it. You have to pay attention to where everything goes and you have to make a plan. Because sometimes the fun weekend or the shopping And listen, these are sacrifices that there are people in this room, they make all of the time because they understand this priority. But also healthy giving requires progression. It requires over time. I am not a 10% giver. And we were um, at one time, but I believe as God blesses our lives more and more and more, we should have faithfulness and give more and more. And these are really tiny increments for my family. Like if we go from like 11.8 to 12% or 12% following year, uh, 12.3%. It's not 10 to 15%. It's not 15% to 20%. It's always these small numbers that I'm, and it's something that we pray about. And I'm just like, God, I feel like this is the direction that you're sending us. So maybe that's something that you need to look at is progressive giving. Because this means that we entrust God with more and more and more 
over time. So I'm going to close with this verse, which I think is very, very important. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, we've already looked at it. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first of all your crops. Your first fruits, not your leftovers. With the first of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will burst with wine. If you give, you receive more. It's just the way that it works. It's the way that it works. And I can tell you, I, I told Beth last night whenever we left the, the trunk or treat event, we had over 250 kids. It was crazy. That first 45 minutes was just like this. It was, I mean, we ran out of candy. We had to end up going to get more. It was wonderful. But whenever we were on our way home, I told her, I said, I am so grateful. I said, I have so much gratitude. And Beth said, well, we certainly do serve an amazing church. And I said, we do. And we talk about that all the time. And I said, but it's not just that. I said, I love my kids so much. And the opportunity and the time that I get to spend with them, you guys knowing I'm a recovering alcoholic, I made absolutely horrible, horrible decisions that just caused all of this self-destruction in my life for so time, uh, so long. Getting to develop a strong relationship living here with my mom and my dad and my stepmom and my younger brother and sister. And I didn't want to come back to Tennessee. It's all by the grace of God how could I not give? How does that make sense? How, how does that register in any way? I just, I just can't fathom. Because he has given so much. There are others of you in, your, in here today, and you are grateful for the things that God has done in your life and what God has given you. There are some of you, maybe you need to pray today. How do I give? Am I supposed to be a giver? What does this look like? And outside of the church, with people that you know that you see in need, Father, how do you help me to live with an open hand the same way that Jesus did in his ministry toward those in need? If we're missing this, we're missing a big chunk of what we're supposed to be. Father, we lift you up today and we thank you for second chances, for opportunities, Father, after messes that we've made to continue to come back to you. Father, I pray that you work in our hearts and you help us to make the right decisions. Father, in their personal decisions, decisions that I need to know nothing about. But, Father, that you place us exactly where we need to be. And, Father, if those, uh, there are those of us in here right now that are really just on that rock, rocky ground, God, I pray this morning that we find that fertile ground. I pray, God, we find that substance and that place so that we can recognize where our treasure is supposed to be. And as we close out this morning, Father, it's amazing as our worship team did leading us. I pray, God, that we fill this altar in gratitude 
for the things that you've given us and the blessings, the promises to come for tomorrow. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.